Hey there, I'm Melanie Reed, and this is The HR Mentor. You know, when I first began my HR career in the mid-90s, I had no clue as to what my career path would look like. In fact, I wasn't even totally sure what a day in the life of an HR professional looked like. I had taken courses in recruitment and selection, compensation, and training and development in my undergrad degree. So from my perspective, those were my choices. And in fact, in my final year, I fell in love with employment law and thought that this was going to be my path until I started to study for the LSAT exam and realized I was not ready for another round of university. In any case, even though I was confident that HR was the right career path for me, I didn't really understand the variety of positions in front of me until I started my career and realized the number of hats that an HR professional wears, especially in a generalist role. In my first HR generalist role at a credit union, I was hired because I had a strong recruitment background and the organization was expanding following a big merger. But as I settled into my role, I became immersed in performance management, organizational development, training, internal communications, employee benefits, competency model development, talent management, and succession planning, as well as a whole lot more. It started to really open my eyes to the sheer number of possibilities that existed under this one overly simplified label of human resource management. And that was in the early 2000s. 20 years later, the HR function in many organizations has evolved way beyond even those offerings as our profession becomes more integral to the strategy, success, and survival of an organization. So since many of you are just starting out in your HR career and might be wondering what your path could look like, Today, I wanted to talk about three possibilities, three HR career paths that you may have never considered, but are definitely in demand in this profession. Even if you aren't someone like me that enjoys change and describes herself as multi-passionate, you may still find yourself experiencing a variety of roles and functions within your HR career. Because if there's one thing I know for sure, it's that Variety is the spice of any fulfilling career. So let's get you started. Welcome to the HR Mentor Podcast, the podcast for emerging HR practitioners to get practical advice, tools, and strategies to build credibility, confidence, and ultimately a fulfilling HR career. Okay, let's get right into this. Now, I want to begin by saying that these HR functions or roles could be part of an existing HR role, but I really see them as opportunities that exist as separate and distinct functions or roles of their own. The first HR career path that I believe is going to be in high demand in the near future that you may not have considered is people analytics and automation, or AI. A lot of people don't associate human resources with data because, well, we deal with people in this profession and no two people are created equal, right? 
yeah, that's true. There is something to be said in the fact that we are dealing with human beings and they are potentially not predictable. But there is an incredible push for organizations to start making, if they're not already, people-based decisions rooted in hard data. There are also more affordable options for organizations to collect data on employees and potential employees, which has made analyzing and using data an even greater priority. One of my favorite examples of how data can be used to make people decisions is the Billy Bean story told in the movie Moneyball. It's a great film starring Brad Pitt as Billy Bean, and it's a recommended resource in my staffing and planning classes. Why? Because it illustrates perfectly and in an entertaining way, how data can help hiring managers make better hiring decisions using predictive analytics. Essentially, Major League Baseball teams had historically fallen prey to a lot of biased decisions when it came to picking players for their teams. But with the help of a data expert, played by Noah Hill, Billy Bean starts to use more statistical measures of player potential and ends up putting together a winning team in a losing franchise with what to many looked like a ragtag and very atypical group of players. The method that Bean used was written about extensively and has since been adopted by other Major League Baseball teams. Recruiting isn't the only place where people data can help organizations make better decisions. Knowing the patterns that exist with people in your organization with regards to performance management, leave time, resignations, or employee engagement can help your HR department design programs, practices, and interventions that will allow individuals, teams, and the entire organization be more successful. It also provides insight into opportunities for automation or the use of artificial intelligence. Workforce planning is another perfect example of where data can provide powerful insights on people that leads to better business decisions. Workforce planning is essentially a function of HR and a career path in itself that helps the organization predict future talent needs. For example, let's say your organization has an expansion strategy, and that means they will open new branches over the next five years. Well, an effective workforce planning model will tell you with some accuracy how many people you will need in certain roles at whatever future time period so that you can deliver on this strategy. I call it the right bums in the right seats at the right time. It's not enough to know how much of a given skill set or which roles you'll need, but you also need to know when you're going to need them because we all know what happens when we don't have talent in place at the right time to deliver. So using a data model, we can figure this out. But the people analytics function doesn't stop there. These talented individuals hold the key to the most important part of the workforce planning equation, which is what your supply of labor is and will be in the future, both internally and externally. Without knowing who is available now and who will be available at the future point when you need their talent or skill set, 
Workforce planning is practically useless. And it is the HR or people analytics experts that can deliver this critical information. By collecting data on existing employees and skill sets and analyzing how they may change over time, you can more accurately predict how to respond to some future need. It's really powerful stuff that can make or break an organization's strategy. But it only works if you have good data. Having worked in a workforce planning role in the past, I know this firsthand. And I also know it's not as easy as it sounds. The other opportunity that comes with using data in HR and a way to collect more data is through the use of automation or AI, artificial intelligence. Although people analytics roles don't necessarily include expertise in AI, the two can be quite symbiotic. Automation in HR is becoming more and more common and acceptable as HR professionals move away from traditional, more administrative functions and spend their time more focused on enabling the organization to be successful through its HR function. A great example is how automation or AI is becoming more common in HR is through the use of these tools in recruitment and selection with the use of more advanced ATS systems, automated screening tools, video interview software, assessment tools, sourcing software, augmented writing tools, and so on. We also see AI helping with administrative functions, such as through the use of chatbots for candidates and internal employee support. Now, there's a lot of debate about the effectiveness and potential bias in the use of these tools. But regardless, they are out there. And without skilled data experts, they can't really be fully utilized. Whether you agree or disagree that AI is dangerous or scary if it's programmed by the wrong people or left in the wrong hands, there's no denying that it's here and the safe and effective use of it for HR functions falls to us to figure out and manage. One statistic I read from LinkedIn said that 73% of organizations pegged people analytics as a major priority in their organization over the next five years. So if you love telling stories with data and helping the organization make more accurate and informed decisions, a career in people analytics may just be the right path for you to explore. Some universities are starting to offer people analytics programs and courses and many continuing education programs or branches offer certificates that can help you start building your knowledge base. And regardless of whether or not you pursue a purely data analytics role, your career prospects will be brighter if you have this skill set in your HR toolbox. All right, the second career path for HR professionals that you may not have considered that will also be in high demand is equity, diversity, inclusion, and decolonization, or EDID. HR departments in many organizations have been throwing around buzzwords like diversity for a long time, but we are at a point where words and phony equity statements don't cut it anymore. 
I think the most frequently advertised HR job I have seen in the last 12 months has been for EDI consultants or specialists as organizations grapple with how to respond to the racial reckoning that has occurred over the last year and the emphasis on decolonization of our organizations and practices in recognition, finally, of the terrible experience of Indigenous peoples in this country and in others. The challenge for many organizations to implement effective EDID strategies and practices is twofold. Number one, they don't have the knowledge or expertise to know what to do, And this is in part because it wasn't a priority before, but also because their own HR teams and organizational management ranks lack diversity. And the second big challenge is that the individuals with lived experience and knowledge are so in demand and will be in the future that it's difficult to find the right help. Well, I don't have any easy answers to this very complex problem, I think the best advice I can give is to start somewhere and to make space to educate yourself and the people you work with. I think it is critically important as well that someone leading the EDID function in an organization or association or your team is someone with lived experience. Sorry, white guys, this is not a job for you. In order to make real changes that are not token reactions to some headline, there has to be meaningful engagement with diversity-deserving groups and individuals, and there needs to be space and time made to getting this right. It is not going to happen overnight in any organization, and so anyone pursuing a career in this area must understand that it takes incredible patience and emotional labor to make change, especially if the whole concept is really new in your organization. That said, this can be an incredibly rewarding career path for the right HR professional. Not only is the skill set and knowledge base in demand, but it gives you an opportunity to make a very meaningful difference or change in an organization. EDID actions impact an entire organization. And although the change won't happen quickly, as I previously mentioned, it can directly change people's lives and your organization's culture. And that is pretty darn rewarding work. Now, if you want to pursue a career path in equity, diversity, inclusion, and decolonization, I encourage you to begin by learning from experts that represent diversity-deserving groups only. If you are going to take a course or a workshop on diversity, make sure you are signing up with someone who is Black, Indigenous, or a person of color, or someone from the LGBTQ2++ community. As you might expect, a lot of programs have popped up all over the place in the last year, promising certifications in EDI, and a lot of books have been published on the topic. So make sure you're being discerning, take the time, and do your research. If you're interested in decolonization and learning about Indigenous people in Canada, I have a curated list of resources to get you started on my In Solidarity page, which also includes a list of organizations that can help guide you. 
There are also some resources in the show notes of this episode to learn more about education opportunities on EDID. And you can find that at www.unicorngroup.ca forward slash episode dash 40. All right, the final possibly unexpected HR career path that I see in high demand in the future is employee well-being. I'm sure this comes as no surprise to many of you as you reflect back on the last 18 months of your own life. The pandemic has woken us up to a lot of things and has forced us to take on work in the most non-traditional ways. Never mind having to learn new technologies on the fly. Just the fact that so many of us worked from home and continue to work from home to keep ourselves, our families, and our communities safe has forever changed how we look at the term balance. Work and home have intersected in a way that no one could have predicted just 19 months ago, and there is no doubt that it has affected our well-being in profound and lasting ways. And these profound changes are challenging our HR departments in new ways. It is no longer enough to contemplate if you would have a work-from-home or flexible work schedule, as so many organizations have navel-gazed about for a decade or more. Now the question is, how do we support employee well-being when we don't see people face-to-face on a regular basis? And how do we keep our business or organization functioning with the constant threat of a deadly virus looming over us? Then layer on top of that our discussion on EDID and the realization that not all employees feel safe in the workplace or realize the same career opportunities. And if we buried our heads in the sand on this issue, there is the realization that we have failed many of our employees. It's a lot, and it's going to take a lot to support employees in their individual needs. In order for organizations to be successful, I believe people need to be successful. They need to feel safe, well, and supported. And with this great coming together of work and home, the need for organizations to play a leading role in creating the resources and supports to allow employees to be healthy and well, has been highlighted. If you are someone who has a passion for health, well-being, and a genuine desire to see people succeed as human beings and not just as employees, this could be an amazing career path for you. Many organizations already have benefits administrators and some even have wellness coordinators, but the future of this function is much bigger than both of those. This need goes beyond what an EAP service can provide and envisions a larger function in the organization that contemplates the whole person and what they need to thrive. It includes psychological safety, workload management, physical health and providing safe and healthy spaces for work, support for mental well-being, and policies that truly respect the individual needs of workers to support their health, their families, and their career success. Now, some people might say, whoa, Melanie, that's a lot for an organization to take on. And I agree with you. It is a lot to take on. 
It means working differently, viewing employees as people, not units of productivity, and finally really putting the human in human resources. But at the end of the day, not doing this could mean the demise of your organization. People have choices these days when it comes to where they work, and they are voting with their feet. So if you're an HR professional working in an organization with really high attrition or a lot of sick time use or injuries, you may want to consider that your focus on compliance is not working and that perhaps it's time to create a new role for a new kind of HR professional, one that values and respects people for who they are human beings. I believe that if organizations don't develop roles like this, they will be faced with an incredible challenge retaining people. Now, if you're not sure after hearing about these three exciting but very different career HR career paths, remember that a career is only going to be satisfying and fulfilling for you if it aligns with your values, your strengths, and your interests. So make sure that you take a bit of time to explore those aspects of yourself before you make the leap and go all in on an exciting new direction. And if you do decide that any of these paths are a fit for you, I encourage you to dig in, learn all you can, and take the plunge. I'm pretty confident you'll be rewarded with a challenging career path that makes a huge impact on a lot of people. And I will personally thank you for what you do to make our organizations better for everyone. Now, if you loved this episode of The HR Mentor, and I hope you did, consider sharing a review on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or through LinkedIn. And if you haven't already subscribed, click that button wherever you're listening and make sure you never miss another episode. For a summary of this episode, please visit www.unicorngroup.ca forward slash episode dash 40. I also share some helpful links and connections to other episodes that you might find helpful. And as always, your time is appreciated. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. Bye for now.